Kia ora, guys. Welcome to Pretty Depressed with Kim Crossman. Welcome to, really, my therapy and my journey to better mental health. Bit of a disclaimer, none of my guests nor myself are in any way mental health professionals. So if you're not in a good place, then I strongly advise that you seek out professional help. These conversations are unfiltered and they are not for sensitive ears. We talk drugs, sex, alcohol, religion, medicating, alternative therapy, suicide, mental health, aliens, and witches. In season one of this podcast, I talk to a lot of actors. We often mention pilots. Now, for those of you who are not in the industry, a pilot is the first episode of a TV series. And off the back of the pilot, the hope is that it gets picked up by a major network and becomes a massive hit. A huge thanks to all my guests for being so vulnerable and for sharing so much. I gained so many lessons and tokens that I can apply to my own life, and I hope that you guys do too. I also want to put it on record that I am a chronic accent mimicker, so please note that in the wake of this podcast, I am adding that to the long list of things I need to work on. In this episode, I talk to Maud Garrett. Now, Maud is a host. She's one of Australia's biggest on-camera talents. She's the founder of Geek Bomb. She's pretty bloody cool. I love this episode because we talk about sex, relationships, being capable women and trying to be vulnerable. It's really quite brilliant. This is Pretty Depressed with Maud. Maud is one of my best friends. I'm saying that without making eye contact because that's how I feel about her and I'm hoping that it's reciprocated, but we'll wait. <laughs> uh, and I love her dearly. The reason why she's sitting here is she has probably been the most helpful person in my life at this chapter currently. I'm going to vomit from being so are emotional. You, are you? Well, you don't need to vomit from being emotional. Would you, would you quantify me as one of your best mates? Yes, I would. And it was interesting because when you said that, um, usually you when you felt sick, no. be- <laughs> in the gut, um, best friend is someone that you grew up with or that you spend a um, chunk of your life with. Um, usually best friends are like at our age, the significant other. Um, but what, how I would describe you is that you're Kiwi me and yes. I'm Aussie you. Yes. But I got the height genes. Yes. But you got and the hot genes. <laughs> oh, that's not true. I, well, let me, let me just, it works. I have a rash currently. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound, it's not as bad as it sounds like, guys. It's just a food intolerance. <laughs> we went to Mexico. I believe it's the water. Yeah. On the body. But anyway. It might be. It might be. Um, do you happen to remember the first time we met? Was it not in Seoul? Yes. Yeah. I was just curious if that's where it was. you so remembered that. It was actually February last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming up on two years mm-hmm. friendship, mm-hmm. which is why I was like, when you say best friend, long term, no, we're quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we do for a living is we're both entertainment reporters um, for our respective networks. You for New Zealand, myself for Australia. It's literally the same show, mm-hmm. but in different regions. Um, and this, the, that scene is very, very interesting because... It can be incredibly demanding. Um, you have to basically become a celebrity's best friend in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, less than. Um, and it looks so glamorous and wonderful, but it's really incredibly underpaid job. <laughs> I can say that. You can totally say that because I, w- I think I want to dive into that a little bit because that's uh, probably one of the things that we feel like we're not allowed. Or you maybe maybe you don't feel like this. I feel like whenever I post one of those uh, like photos of a junket and stuff, I get this influx of people being like, "Oh, living the dream, doing this," which I relate to. But there's also this level of exhaustion that I feel like you can't speak to. Do you kind of feel you're not allowed to complain? Right. Uh, at the moment, I'm currently booking a flight for next week, um, and I've double booked myself. It's the launch of a new Star Wars tabletop RPG game with Freddie Prince Jr. So. <laughs> Cool. Which I'm really excited about. Super nerdy, though. Very contradicting to Remind the glamorous life. To mention that later. Um, and it's the launch episode, but then, of course, oh, so hold on, we're talking, it's already happened now. But uh, I'm also needed in Boston for the Little Women Junket. Mm-hmm. And um, the exact time frame I'm supposed to be in Boston is when we're going live for this LA show. So what are you going to do? I'm going to get a damn red eye flight. <laughs> I have to fly overnight with probably a stop off. Um, so, yeah. 10, 10 p.m. is when the flight is. I land at 9 a.m. Boston time with the stopover in between and I get straight off from there, probably have to have a shower at the airport um, or at the Junket Hotel mm-hmm. and then get ready and uh, deliver my interviews. And then that night I probably have to fly out to go to Albuquerque, uh, another overnight red eye, um, to do some more content for another DVD uh, launch. 
Well, so that does, if, when you're saying that, I'm like, that does sound fun and exciting. But I think what people probably forget with what you do uh, on a bigger scale than what I do as well is like this idea that that travel and stuff, you don't get a break and you have to be on and you're ready to go and stuff. So how do you, and I don't know, I don't know if you do this well, this will be, how do you execute like self-love or do you basically just work yourself until you're like, I can't work anymore and I'll get sick and then start again. So yeah, what does I that think, journey look like for you? Um, I don't ever talk about this, but because you are my bestie, I'm going to share it with your audience. Sure. Um, ever since I was five years old, I've gotten cold sores. And that is basically when I'm run down, mm-hmm. when I'm sick, when my immune system just pieces out, I get cold sores. Now, being a television host and getting those, I once related it to being a surgeon with Parkinson's and then realised, wait a second, I'm not saving lives. It's vanity only. <laughs> uh, but it's not It's not fun. And mm-hmm. it is interesting just to see how many other fellow people in the entertainment space suffer from them. One in three, man, mm-hmm. probably even more than that now. So mm-hmm. it's another deep, dark secret that we're not supposed to talk about. The problem with that is I can't work myself to the bone. I have to be super smart and I have to prioritise rest. So all throughout my 20s, I was barely a partier. I couldn't do two nights back to back for sure. I had to rest. I had to say no to a lot of things. Um, I don't have FOMO anymore, which is fantastic, Mm. Um, but I really had to prioritise that. When I start thinking about these two back-to-back red-eye flights, I'm like, I'm done. Game over. Like Mm. that's going to cost me two weeks of my life for sure. So that... Physical love, self-love balance, super, super tough because I have something bigger than me mm-hmm. that I have to Well, that's to your job with. and your livelihood. It's like you don't really And I can't control my immune system. I can do the best that I can. Mm. I've sometimes woken up and I've had one and I did nothing to earn it mm. and that's when it sucks. Um, but it's not like a zit where two days later it's gone. It is 10 days of my life that I'm struggling with it. Um so what is your makeup tip? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, I have cold sores. I'm sure oh she knows. God. If anyone knows how to cover them, it's going to be this chick. <laughs> I have tried every single remedy. I've tried everything. There is an Aleve um, treatment where you almost snap a vial and then it has like a little sponge at the end of it. Did you, you get it from a, like a witch? <laughs> I went to an apothecary <laughs> and I was like, treat me for my face herpes. Um, but that actually does a really, really good job. Um, you probably have to go, you're going to have to go to your doctor and get mm-hmm. a prescription for like uh, a herpes tablet, which mm-hmm. is so fun picking up at the chemist. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I'm going, no, no, it's just the face. <laughs> oh, still sucks. <laughs> Do you want to answer that? You got a FaceTime. Oh, no, it's all good. Okay. Let, let, it, let, 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 let go. <laughs> I'm so confused who it is now that's kind of spun you into a bit of a... It's my hot neighbour. Okay, cool. Great. Yep. Moving on. Yep. Uh, it could just be my neighbour. Could be, but that's fine. But he earned that, so... He did. That's oh, yeah. good. Yeah, I'll give it to him. Um, emotionally awful. Uh, you and I spoke about this over a very, very real brunch that we had where I realised, I think we both realised we weren't alone mm-hmm. because we, what we were sharing is being super vulnerable. I hate being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. When we were, we realised we had a lot in common with this thing that we weren't supposed to talk about. And mm-hmm. when we finally did, it was like, oh, thank God we're not alone. Um, I isolate myself when things get a little bit too tough emotionally, when I'm feeling a little bit down about me. And it happens. My God, 2019, not a great year. Um, I found because I'm a gamer, I would um, or I would watch movies or I would read, listen to books. And that for me was an escape. So I didn't have to deal with my life. When you say isolate, does that mean like if somebody texts you or calls you, you just don't respond? Like you isolate even if people are maybe not reaching out to be like, hey, you okay, but just like trying to contact you. The great thing about social media is that it looks like I'm busy all the time. Sure. So it's a great excuse to not have to see people. Great. I will communicate. I will, you know, hold face. Mm-hmm. No one will think anything's wrong at all. I will mm-hmm. even check in with friends just to have someone to talk to from time to time. But there's mm-hmm. only a handful of people to do that and I would do it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if someone was like, oh, yeah, we're all hanging out at this night and we're all having a social night, we should come. I'm just so busy. Mm. Now, I, because I, I relate to that as well. And I think I re- I also recharge by being alone. Yes. And I need to recharge by being alone um, to so I can be the version of myself that I like the most when I'm with people. So a big part of my... Who's the version you like the most? Describe her. Um, I think the version I like most is like being um, empathetic, being energetic, having um, a level of energy and lack of exhaustion that I can care about the person sitting across from me or care about 
the people I'm interacting with. Um, I like to add value to any conversation or any social engagement. I like to make people feel good. And I know that if I am run down and exhausted, that um, <clears throat> I can still do it, but I don't mean it. It's a, it's a performance. It's a mask. Got because it. I don't feel... Never do I feel comfortable being that version of me that I don't like, which is the version of me that is uh, rather negative, the version of me that's maybe feeling poor me, the version of me that doesn't think I'm good enough, the version of me that just doesn't want to interact because of the energy, outgoing energy that I don't have stored up. Mm -hmm. So that would be my version of isolation. And I don't like people to see that. Yeah, so that's why you hide it away. Is that, would that be what yours is or yours is more just about? Yeah, I do. I do think that it's just like I'm not good company. Um, yeah, you know, I don't. And want when you your to get company sp- is well, I, I guess why I'm asking that is because you are. And if you don't know Maud, which I'm sure you probably all do, but if you don't know her, she is this bright light who you you bring everyone together. You're very inclusive in every conversation. So I would find it rare or hard to imagine you in a social setting being a wallflower. No, that's why I'm not there. Right. So that's so we share that. that yeah. We're like, oh, I just wouldn't put myself in that situation. Yeah. Um, but you like you and I. I don't think we like to be. Uh, we don't – we feel like we're letting people down when we're not our best selves. So mm. when we do isolate, um, it's weird. I don't want to use that I don't feel great as an excuse. I don't want that to be something that exists. Oh, I'm sorry, I just need a little bit of me time right now. I'm not 100%. I don't – I pretend that's not happening. So I have a question because that to me is like this uh, inability of both of us to show weakness because we are people's rocks. People need us to be strong. They need us in a tragedy to be like, we've got this. Let's make a joke. We're da, capable da, da. people. Right. So then. There's such pros and cons but to do being then a capable you hate person. your uncapable self. Yes. I refuse to acknowledge her. Uh, I do too. So how can we be better about this? Because we can not love ourselves entirely if we're not. Oh, hi. Do you know what would be awesome? Hello, hello. This is our amazing EP, good friend, the amazing Kevin Connolly's come in to listen to two girls chat. How's it going, boss? Kevin, I I was at... I love the accents and it sounds great I was at your birthday seven years ago. Great to see you again. That's really (laughs) disturbing. Thank you. Where where was that, dare I ask? Oh, I don't... Somewhere in West Hollywood. I met a lot of people from a sport team. Hockey the, team. Yes. The Islanders probably. Yes. I met a lot of You're going to be just men. as disappointed with Maud's sports knowledge as you are with mine's. <laughs> they were people from a sports One team. One of the guys took his teeth out and I was like, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Well, They're all fake teeth apparently. Most yeah. No. Oh, his teeth. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought, I, I, I thought you said out. something else. He took scared his teeth. Me. Teeth, okay. Yeah. His tip out. He took his tip no, out. Yeah, yeah no, no. I, I swear to God, I thought he said something else. I was like, well, I'll have a word with him. Those you Americans. let me know who it is. I, they're just trying to tell me anything. And I'm like, you're speaking another language. Sorry to interrupt. You're, I, was, I was actually going to say, I hope that you feel you have permission at any time to dive in if you're like, hey, they should get more it sounds in, great. into that. It sounds great. Well, we're talking Compliment. about being vulnerable. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you show up and now we both go into, we're yeah, finally we're having great. <laughs> we're together women. Look at us being together. and <laughs> Which is funny. We both just did that. So what's really interesting about being vulnerable when you are a very capable person and you never show vulnerability before is watching people be uncomfortable Yes. with you being vulnerable. I would share something and I'm like, I'm not great. Things haven't been great. I've experienced more rejection in the last 15 months than I have in my entire life and I don't know how to cope with this. I'm constantly in bed. Um, I realise my maximum amount of time that I can stay in bed is five days. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle to reach out and I just want to let you know that I'm really not okay. And you just see people look around the room or like, Oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, now I feel like I have to apologize mm-hmm. because I'm putting you in a very uncomfortable position of dealing with my vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So I guess my advice is to people, if you're listening to a friend who seems really strong and they are finally sharing that they're not, be better. <laughs> Don't get uncomfortable at it. So there's this general consensus of uh, we, we can all do better with helping people. And you're right. I think when you project confidence and you're fine and look, you're off, you were in Cabo and you're working and da-da-da, everyone's like, of course you're fine. You're better than fine, if anything. You're, you're crushing it. You're, you're crushing it. it. Um, <clears throat> so I, I totally I totally understand that. I went through something similar when I, you know, was diagnosed with a burnout and, you know, pretty severe depression. 
no one really knew how to handle that. Everyone yeah. was like, oh, well, you know, it's a result of you just being tired and how you work yourself and things. And it's like, cool, well, that how I work and what I've chosen to do as a job is not at this point going to change. So I have to change myself. But, yeah, just this difficulty of sharing that and then, yeah, people not knowing, like, how do you help someone who always helps themselves? Well, they tell you what you're feeling. Or that's their role that they've had in you know, the interaction you've had with these people for the past, like, say, 30 years or whatever it's been has been one-sided or you're helping them or you're lifting them up so when the tables are turned, they don't, you know. But someone said, like, if you're not open with the people that you care about, you're robbing them the experience to try and help you, which is difficult because then people don't, you know, people do the best they can, just maybe they don't know how to help or they're not a nurturer like you are. And, you know, the thing is it's like... um, how you give love is usually how you'd like to receive it. And uh, another friend of mine, we were roommates for three years. We had incredibly different coping mechanisms when one was down. She wanted to um, spend a small amount of time kind of like feeling it and then straight away fix it, write lists. This is how I'm going to combat it, you know, and that was how she would do it. I didn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to try and fix it. I literally had something that my mother has coined there, there. And I was talking to mum about it where I was like, I just don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what to do. And she goes, do you just want someone to sit next to you and literally put an arm around you or put, you know, their hand in your hand and just sit there? And I was like, yeah. She goes, all right, so your father and I have this problem. He wanted to fix it and I didn't want that. I just called it there, there. And you need, hey, so there, 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 there. It's going to be okay. There, there. Um, and I found that Everything happens for a reason. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's try and fix it. No, I don't. Um, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go out? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, exercise. That will help. No, it won't. <laughs> and it yeah. just needed there, there. But the problem is when I was mm. like that because so many different things, if it wasn't the specific thing, I would get a little bit, ah, you just don't know. Oh, go mm. away then. And I would push people away unless you had the key yeah, yeah, to yeah. unlock. And I had to tell Alicia, my um, my roommate at the time, I just need there, there. But because she tried a lot of different things and I was like not having it, she became scared of me when I was down. So she would go into her room and text me, which is the last thing that I wanted. Yeah. I wanted just physical touch and no talk. Yeah. You know? That's so good. I think I need to tell a few people in my life I need there, there. For sure. There, there is just perfect. And I've had one friend in my life nail it. I got a I job. I don't want to like put a breakdown on your cards, but I'm really excited to be your there, there person. Oh, it's so, it's just, it's <laughs> Whenever just you need great. it, just send me, we'll have a little code thing or something. I've I'll got a like, code. Come, what is the code? So the, when you need it. So my nearest and dearest, we have a system where if you're having a pretty miserable day and you just want to reach out, but you don't know how to say it, you just send a panda emoji. So you're just having a panda day and then if it's below like a three out of ten and it's a bit of a bit of an emergency and there's probably mm-hmm. tears and you're just not in a great state, you send a penguin and that's it. And this is a – and oh, I've it's had – like a sliding scale. So That's it. So panda or penguin. And panda's about a four or five out of ten but a penguin's about a two or three out of ten. Okay. And the panda is probably text back just checking and going, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. Uh, pa- pa- penguin, drop, pick up the phone, call straight away. And have you executed this successfully with people? Big time, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, pan, panda penguin. This is great tools for the toolbox. Because it's like asking for help is something that you and I struggle with so much. Oh, I I'll fix it myself. I'm fine. I hate asking for help. So you're not. You're just sending a panda emoji. I despise. I, I always feel like my problems are burdensome on people. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I really struggle asking for help. But I reckon I could, if I had the right words, which now you've gifted me to be like, I just need there, there. Mm-hmm. I think that's simple enough, that's succinct. I think there'll be a lot of people listening who are like, I wish that I, thanks to your mum. Shout out to your mum. She's a psychologist. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is that like then? What is that like being the daughter of a shrink? Uh, in my teenage years, it was hell. My God. So I feel like there must be some benefits to it too, though. I'm a much she... better person now. I'm the most self-aware uh, person. And good. anytime something goes wrong, I inwardly reflect which so many people cannot do and it drives me nuts because they don't think they've done anything wrong ever. Um, I'm able to have a critical conversation with someone where I don't hear the best things about myself and I'm able to not take it super personally and work on being better. So my constant path is to how can I be better Mm -hmm. Um, with people in situations, work-wise, how can Mm -hmm. I be better? In high school, I would come home in tears. Kate has been such a bitch to me, Mum. She was so mean. The first thing she would say, what did you do to her? 
And I was like, but she's mean to me. Well, she's not mean for no reason. So what did you do to upset her for her to react like that? I never had an ally. I never yeah, had my mum on my team. Ugh. And that was a super isolating feeling where I couldn't turn to her for big things. But what I realised she was doing was setting me up to be like, behaviour is a responsive thing mm. and it's a reactionary thing. So mm-hmm. if someone's behaving extremely, it's because they're reacting to something that's happened to them. So find mm. out what that is, you understand why they're behaving that way. But what I heard in my teenage years was, You've, you've done something wrong. Does that then create the narrative? So like something that I'm trying to understand is that my brain isn't always telling me truths. So I have quite a really horrific inner dialogue that is just telling me things all over again. Like I will leave this experience talking to you and I'll spend like 30 minutes in the car kind of replaying some things and being like, oh, Kim, that was, or you came across as a bit of a dick or like, oh, I didn't engage in that or... Did I make it about me? Like I'll just kind of create this cycle of bad thought. But it's all, I'm trying to find like its root. Did you find that if your mother is always like when you have a problem, it's always like, well, what did you do? Is that then not become a voice that you don't ever allow yourself to just? Um, I think the you're, you're, you're the furthest away from victim. I'm just that yeah. playing victim. I'm just saying like, are you so far away from it ever being victim that you are always in the wrong? that that's a narrative you're telling No, yourself. I don't see it as wrong, bad, you okay, know, fail. I see it as learning. Yeah. And as someone that craves learning, I think of it as a good experience. Um, I don't have what you have, so I'm fascinated mm-hmm. with that voice. Um, Which is also, this was new information to me. I honestly thought that everyone just had some arsehole in their head being like, da, 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 da. That's but. anxiety. <laughs> well, it is and it isn't because it's just constant self-chat. That, that anxiety is questioning things. Was I the best person in that situation? Did they look but at you funny? But it's also factual. My So my voice in my head is a real tool in the sense of uh, <clears throat> it will pull data. So if I go like, oh, Raul, who's in the room, who is lovely, so I'll use him as an example. Like Raul was a bit standoffish today. I will then be able to recall data of like any time he's turned his back on me any, like, and create a whole narrative of like I don't think Raul likes me. Cool. And, like, have those things at the ready, which is observations I've made because yep. I'm very aware. But, but that they're not actually true. It's, like, yes. data that's creating a narrative. Because you don't have the second. confirming a, nar- a narrative. You don't have the second half of that, which is his actual experience. <clears throat> so how right. I would apply myself to that situation. Let's say, Raul, you were just like, By the whatever. Way, Raul Lord. is one of my other best friends as well, and he's in the room. So we feel very comfortable using you as the fake asshole in this situation, Raul. In this situation, and I think this is, you know, years of self-acceptance, if you were a little bit weird to me, I wouldn't, and I didn't think I'd done anything wrong, I'd kind of be like, well, maybe he had a bad day. Benefit of the doubt, always. I always apply benefit of the doubt. Mm. Um, The second thing that I will probably do here is in my head, I understand if I do that check, it's like, all right, no, I don't think I've done anything wrong. If I do, I'll check with him. Mm-hmm. to confirm or deny. And sometimes that can be an uncomfortable conversation, so I don't really do it unless it's causing weight mm, on my mind. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I will do is have peace knowing, and this is a lot of other people's problems, if he's not telling me about it, how am I to know? So I don't make that my problem. I make that his problem until he's willing to share it with me. Does that make sense? Mm, that does. That must be so... Raul's nodding that he does that way too. So this is really insightful for me because this is like one of the reasons I'm doing this is to try and understand how I've been hardwired to it. All everything's always my fault, and right. that. so yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm not saying that nothing's to... ever my fault, but I have to <clears throat> relinquish. No, some but you're control. using logic rather than I've for however long been able to be like, oh, cool, like oh, that's a narrative. Now that exists, and so I either have to like address it with him. I yep. can't just let it go. Because right. I observed something that uh, felt a certain way. I'm only so. addressing it if someone's I've, – I've seen quite a visceral response or reaction and if mm-hmm. I sit with it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I was way too – and I've had to do this recently. Great example. Mm-hmm. Had breakfast with a mate and I snapped at him over something and it was almost like a – I was so angry at him because he was choosing between two options and both of the options were so – so privileged because he was a white man mm. and I took it out on him. And then afterwards I was just like – I was so out of line with how I spoke. Why was I feeling this way? What is my resentment straight at that about? Is it Mm -hmm. because I'm a woman and I've seen so many hardships and I'm seeing him cruise along? That's not his fault. I shouldn't be angry at him. Shot him a text going, 
and then realised I was um, also super emotional and chemically imbalanced because I was about to get my period. Mm. So my PMS, I took it out on him and I, I straight up wanted to acknowledge and address that with oh, him yeah. and be like, hey, dude, I just want to let you know, I know I was out of line. I don't want you to think it was your fault at all. I'm, you know, a bit cranky today and I've snapped mm-hmm. at a few people. Just wanted to kind of address it and apologise. Interesting. Yeah. Do you find, uh, and maybe maybe this is less in your situation because you are the daughter of a psychologist? Psychiatrist. Psychologist. Psychologist. So kind of something we're diving into a lot on this show as well is like that mental health, that narrative and how you, you're sitting here because you execute your life in a way that I think is really aspirational for me. Um but we are from New Zealand and Australia. Oh, my God. So, it's so, a whole new set of rules with attitudes towards mental health there. Yes. And I can't speak to Australia, but I will say New Zealand is, like, coming around a bit. But this, you know, we currently live in Los Angeles where if you don't go to a therapist, there's something wrong, there's with, something you. wrong with you. And whereas in New Zealand, like, I went to a therapist and everyone in my family is like, ooh. If like, you do go to a therapist, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you must be a mass murderer or be thinking about <laughs> like that. Medication and being medicated is such a dirty, like, yeah. word in Australia. And I'm guessing New Zealand. I think I'm pretty confident to be able to umbrella it. <laughs> Because we're, you oh, know, similar. cut from the same root, really. Mm-hmm. Can, or can you tell the difference between our accents, Roll? Well, she just he said, can. She just said accents. Intentionally, so. too. I leaned into that. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, can you? A little bit. Right. I sound more like Kay Blanchett. <laughs> tell me I sound more so, like <laughs> uh, uh, Yes, that's it. Uh, so we'll blanket them for the sake of this. But, yeah, so how how do you find that in... in what is your wish for Australia and how has oh, that been yeah. for you? Have you felt pressure being in LA to be more? No. My mum's always said you talk to someone. Every yeah. single week just talk to someone. She thinks it should be mandatory. There's pros and cons in both. The pros in America is that it's so open. And we're and talking, when we talk America, I just want to be clear that we are talking about the uh, places closest to the water. We're talking the yes. LA's, the New York's, the, uh, the progressive more liberal mind yeah. in the sense of... It being commonplace here, I I can't speak to whether that's commonplace in Nebraska or whatever. I don't I don't know. Sure. sure. Um, super super open, um, inviting. Everyone has usually therapy and mm-hmm. uh, are really open to sharing what they've learnt in therapy. Oh my gosh, my therapist just gave me this nugget of information that's changed my life, and it's celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, it's still not super common, especially for men. We have incredible toxic masculinity in Australia where they are not allowed to feel, they are only supposed to think and to deal Be a bloke. with. Yeah. That's it. And so that's actually been quite damaging. And I, I think, you know, with the likes of some, um, a huge presenter in Australia, Osher Gunsberg, he uh, hosts The Bachelor and Bachelorette and The Masked Singer over there, has been cr- incredibly vocal about his struggle with mental health. Yes, he lived in America for, I believe, around half a decade or so. Um, and I think that that helped him. But he's brought it back to Australia and he's really destigmatizing what it is to be a man who has anxiety and depression and is medicated, mm. um, which I think is fantastic. And he's had a podcast all about it, which is great. The cons in America is that the subsidizing and financial um, accommodations around uh, mental health doesn't exist. Mm. You have to pay considerably out of pocket if you want to choose your therapist or you are almost given one for a discounted rate. But it is a privilege to be able to have mental health facilities in Mm -hmm. America. In Australia, I remember one time I was working at nightly radio, which was just so exhausting. Every single day I was burning the candle at both ends and I had the same thing where I just hit a point where I couldn't cope. Mm -hmm. Physically, I was exhausted. Emotionally, mentally, I was drained. Um, I was doing sort of 3 a.m. starts, having to do a show in a different state, flying back to, you know, the next morning to go straight back into the office. I just felt like I was a puppet and Mm -hmm. I had no sense of myself. Mm -hmm. And I started crying in the office. And at around the three hour mark where I was still crying, they came up to me and they were like, um, like almost like, not wanting to touch me, like, pat, pat. Ooh, not uh, good there, there's. No. We legally have to give you counselling because you've done this. Got it. Um, and I only had one out of there were three and it was all taken care of within the, um, okay. yep, the company. And after the first session, we realised that every single problem that I had was because of work. And the therapist, the, the counsellor was like, I 
can't legally advise this, but you shouldn't do that job. Mm. And so I came back in and my boss went, how did the counselling go? And I said, I resign. Wow. <laughs> you literally sent me to a place that told me to quit. Wow. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did. Quit. Great. But it's, I, I really do think that every single member of um, the public should be given at least a minimum three counselling sessions that they can use at their own discretion and mm-hmm. whenever, however they want. Mm-hmm. Um, because that isn't ha- happening here, I think that's why America has a really ridiculous rate of homelessness. Mm. I think that things that could be easily fixed are not catered to. I think that the healthcare system is the reason why someone, a homeless man stopped me in the middle of the intersection in where I lived and lifted up their shirt and showed me an external tumour, I believe it was, um, and said, I just need $9.12 more cents to get my medication for this week. Oh. You know? <laughs> so I think that's yeah. where it really starts. You have to treat mind as your body. And I think yeah. both need attention in America. There's a lot of free healthcare in Australia, and I think we are better for it. We just need it. We'd focus more on the body than the mind. Do you think that, um, because this is a stig- stigma that New Zealanders have to Americans, is that they're all very. Um, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but yeah, a lot of Americans start sentences with, oh, well, I think that da-da-da or I da-da-da and kind of are always making it about About the individual. And yeah, I just wonder kind of what your take is on on that. I think that's a go-to and what you experience. I don't think that that's – if we're talking mental health only, I want to bring up the fact that when you ask your family for help, Mm -hmm. they immediately were like, I think you have this. Mm -hmm. I think this is why. Mm -hmm. I think – what we really need to switch it up, and I think that's how people cope with it. Oh, this is weird, so I'm just going to apply myself into this situation. Sure. We should actually do the exact opposite. Why are you feeling like that? What are you going through? How mm. are you today? You I know? actually had that exact conversation yesterday. We were just I was just in conversation with someone about something and going like, oh, yeah, well, I know when I feel this way and trying to share. I was trying to be vulnerable and I was met with, yeah, but you do that because your dad did this and yada, yada. And I was like, whoa, and I shut down. And he was like, oh, well, where did you go? What just happened? I was like, I was I was trying to share and I, I was I was met there. with uh, your judgment on my behaviour and I don't know if anyone else has experienced that before. Last night. All, all I needed was someone to, all I needed, and after I'd been grumpy for an hour and finally come around to like trying to use my words, which is something I'm trying to be better at, I was able to conclude the fact that I just needed someone to say, oh, how can I help? Or when that happens, what do you need me to do? And I could have, had I known it at the time, being like, I just need a there, there, or go like, oh, that sucks, or rather Acknowledgement. than, yeah. So last night, um, yeah, I was talking to um, hot neighbor who is my mm-hmm. one of my closest friends as well, um, about how I apply success as um, the the cure to a lot of my problems. Oh yeah. So the more successful 100%. I am, the less problems I'm faced with a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and I think he challenged me with it in a particular way to try and understand it. And my retaliation was, well, until you get that success, then weigh in on it. And he was Ooh, like, whoa, what is happening sassy here? Mode. And I was like, you can't deny how I'm applying this to my life if yeah. you don't have that experience in that area. He was basically saying you shouldn't have success solve your problems. And I was like, but when you know that that success is able to put out so many fires – one of my fires were the people in Australia, the, some, the handful of girls that absolutely loathe me. The reason I don't focus on that and I'm able to detach from that resentment that I've felt previously by focusing on my own shit and being successful. Mm. So that no longer became a problem because I see mm. my attention is towards something that is doing well. Yeah. And I just kind of was like the way that he challenged me on it, I was just like, nah, you don't get to have that opinion Mm -hmm. because you don't know it, you don't understand it. And he was like, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling attacked by you right now. What happened? And I realised he was trying to learn but maybe I don't like hearing you should ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my trigger word. If someone goes, you know what you should do? You should, nah. Stay tuned for more Pretty Depressed after this. All right, something I have learned about self-love is how important it is to take moments for yourself every day. And one of the best ways to relax but keep your brain engaged is to play Best Fiends. 
In Best Fiends, you get to solve fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Edward is by far my favourite. When you see him, you will 100% agree. And one of the things I love most about the game is that you can actually play offline, which is awesome if, like me, you're travelling a lot or without internet. It's addicting, it's fun, it's a great way to switch off. I have got my entire family hooked and I know you guys are going to love it too. Best Fiends. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. I have this interesting quote about, um, I don't know who said it, so if anyone does know, they can claim it. But it's a great quote saying that they are emotionally controlled by the pursuit of their dreams, which I relate to wholeheartedly. I seek entirely all my validation from employment. And and mine is relationship and employment, not me. I don't get it from me. I get it from a significant other Mm -hmm. and or and career. Yeah. So when that is lacking, how are you feeling? That's when I'm in bed for five days straight and isolating myself completely. So how can we or anyone be listening who maybe relates to this and, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't just pertain to obviously our industry. I think it's anyone who's mm. pursuing something or that's where they get their validation from, whether it's promotion or getting a good grade in something um, or it is that relationship. So how do you or how are you actively trying to get better about that? What are you doing? Um, it is being completely happy and satisfied with myself as a person. And that is what I'm aggressively working on at the moment. Because, How's that going? Oh, not great. Because <laughs> when... But what, is that, what does that even mean? Because the I, cycle, I don't know. I'm like, I'll take a bath. And then I'm like, sitting alone was a bad idea. That's like, it. That's it. Like, so the relationship thing at the moment, um, like I got dumped twice last year, kind of back to back. And that for me was a huge snowball effect. Yeah. And all of this year I've really struggled with dating. And when I go into that slump and I isolate myself, I'm literally... Literally um, uh, prescribing myself loneliness. Yeah. So I'm isolating myself so I'm alone, but I hate being alone. Um, or not alone, it's lonely. There's a yeah. difference. Because there was true. a quote that I read about You can about be the lonely birthday. in front of people too, yeah. The quote that I had related to my entire 20s was often alone but never lonely. And then something happened in my 30s <laughs> where that lonely yeah, came that in. up, yeah. <laughs> Thick and fast. I was like, oh, so lonely. Um, and so I realised that I was I was the reason for all the things that I hated about my life. Well, we are essentially, we're all entirely responsible for everything Yes, at some level. But the yeah. decisions that I would make, I'm like, well, I don't want to spend time with anyone, so I'll be yeah. alone. Oh, I'm so lonely. We'll fix it. Oh, I, I don't want to network and I don't want to possibly be a burden to try and further my career. Well, the opportunities aren't really coming in as much, are they? Fix it. Mm. So so when you say you're not doing great, you're still doing the behaviour of, I mean, it's so, isn't it so hard to do and be? <laughs> it's like I had exercise self-care, but don't be alone. And da, 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 da. I had an epiphany three weeks ago. Okay. I need my therapist to be harder on me because every time she kind of behaves like my mother, she gets the best response out of me. So that's interesting. Do you respond well to like discipline and rules? Like what is that about? Um, you do or you don't? In therapy... Uh, my therapist is like my cheerleader. Maud, you're doing so great. This is so great. Don't be so hard on yourself. And I really do need to listen to that because I'm incredibly hard on myself. And I'm like, no, I need to know what we're working on, what progress I've made. Is it tangible? Can I see it? And what she'll do is she's like, well, this is the concern that you've had. We've actually been working on it for about six months and you haven't realised, but it's been working because your attitude has changed from this to this. And I was like, ah. you sneaky bitch. <laughs> that was so <laughs> Take subtle. Take all my money. Yeah. yeah, but it was so subtle that I don't feel like. Sorry, I yelled in your ears there, Kevin. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm um, getting better because it's not clear in front of me with examples. Ah, so every okay. time someone says, Morda, you know, I think this is a problem that you have. You know, I'm actually currently working on it. Well, if people break up with me or if they're saying this or they're like, more, this is a concern that I have, you're like this. And I go, I need examples. I need examples straight away. I need to be able to see it. Mm. Oh, you're right. There's the evidence. Yes, I understand what I did. Yes, I can apply it now. So I do prefer almost like textbook studies. What are we working on? How are we getting better? Mm. And I will every now and then go into my therapist and be like, all right, let's reflect. I need an update on how I've progressed. I need you to tell me. Is that me. how you run your therapist session? Every now and then. Yes, you I will do You go in that. there? I love that. Yeah, because I need to know yeah. how I've improved, that it's not all for nothing. Do you um, 
do well on verbal validation or like what is your what is your hate compliments <clears throat> you hate compliments yeah. why from people that don't really know me because i'm inundated with but i compliment you do you despise that no is that okay? because okay. i know you and okay. i know that you know me so it's not a compliment it's not a compliment based on an idea of me it's a okay. compliment based on who i really am Okay. And being online in the, um, the public eye, having an audience of 75% men, mm-hmm. I really struggle with the inundation of um, compliments that I get from them because they don't really know who I am. They know the idea of me. So I'm going to just add to that because in case in case you don't know and perhaps you'd never heard of Maud before and you're like, That's who fair. is this tranquil, amazing, sounding, lusciously um, articulate, stunning human? Thank you for the compliments. Yes. Uh, well... So Maud does something interesting. Besides obviously doing all your presenting stuff, you are also really kind of pioneering a lot of things in the nerd culture. Nerd yes. culture, geek culture. Is yep. that Can I say that word? I'm t- saying that word as a compliment. Like that yep. kind of realm of video games and uh, tech. And on top of that, you're a very attractive woman. So do you experience a lot of kind of, I mean, you're... I'm sexually objectified every single day of my life, even though I don't do a damn thing to ask for it. Yeah, but but is that a stereotype that I'm putting on, like, nerd culture of, like, these these kind of... I've been told my entire life because I'm I don't, too I don't want to, be to bubble that. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm bubbling nerd cultures because not all nerds are creepy basement dwellers. No, like, but there's still a, we're talking stigmas, and that's definitely yeah. one of them. When I tell people I play Dungeons and Dragons and that I've spent all weekend playing video games, by the way, Diablo three is going great guns. Um, yeah, Diablo. I'm doing monk now. Anyway, um, I and, yeah. People so go. There's how? How? Why? Why do you like that? And I don't feel like I sit on that side of the fence because I know you and I'm. A around that culture as well. But in terms of the the, the audience you have, yeah. the majority of it, this kind of stigma, stereotypical audience, it, and I'm not shitting on your audience here because I know that they obviously support you and do great time. as yeah, well. Great. But is there that kind of like inappropriate gestures and stuff coming at so you? So there's two extremes Because that they I don't face. know how to yes. so communicate get, with a hot chick. That's it. Or any chick probably. So the two matter. the two prongs that I get, I get, oh, my God, you look like that and you like what I like. And you're talking to me. Yeah. I will worship the ground you walk on. Mm. And it's like, ooh, oh, being on a pedestal is a little bit weird. I'm just regular too. Mm-hmm. And then I get the adverse side of it is you're you – the girl who looks like the girls that bullied me in high school are infiltrating and invading my world. Mm. How dare you be a part of so do my they challenge, thing? Do they challenge you on geek culture? All the time. Um, and if you don't know everything, and there's so much. It's every television show, every single movie, every single comic book, every single so video they're game. For, it's, they're waiting for me to fuck up. Interesting. Yeah. But it's this thing where it's like I am not allowed in their world because of that probably like, you know, it wasn't cool when we were growing up mm-hmm. um, and that it became their safety blanket. It became their thing. So I guess that, but they, that group might feel threatened all around now because it's now so. It's mainstream. It's mainstream. Yep. Yeah. That's why it's like I get told a lot, you're only, right you only care because you're getting paid. Fun fact, there's no money and I'm not getting a damn cent. In fact, I am spending money yeah. to be a part of this industry. Mm. So that's interesting. But, yeah, um, very much challenged. The people like Olivia Munn growing up who p- kind of like was one of the first people to mm. ride the geekdom wave into a very incredible career. Yeah. I don't think she was as genuine about her love of geek culture. Sure. But it was a... Do you take the long road or the shortcut? To, yeah, to get by. or And yeah. because of that, the negative impact is that I am constantly thinking it's that I'm doing the same thing. It's just another host fronting something that yeah. they don't know anything about. Got it. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard when you're playing an expert of something when you genuinely are and then I'm sure there's a lot that aren't ever running. Well, the other thing mm-hmm. about being a woman on television is that and if you really think about it, like even if you don't think you do this, I feel that every single one has pre- a bias in this industry, in the way where if you're watching television and there's a male and a female, when the male talks, you listen to what he says. When the woman talks, you analyse to see if she's worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And it's how she inflects or how she uses her voice. Is her voice 
standard enough? Is it soothing enough? Is it not grating enough? Is mm. it, and we fall into the realm of t- being too blank, too tall, too short, too pretty, not pretty enough, too mm-hmm. much makeup, not enough makeup. Um, and it's like once we are in this acceptable tiny bubble, mm-hmm. then what we say will be listened to. That's so shit and so true. When you read the comments about yourself online, what percentage of them are about your appearance or how you're doing something, not the actual quality, like the content of what you're doing? Um, I am probably, I, I don't have a big enough audience really. I think a lot of my negative comments are more based around, uh, for example, I posted a picture of me and James Bond laughing, Daniel Craig, and I was like, me and my best mates. And I just got a th- like hundreds of comments being like, you guys aren't best mates. Like, no way. And I'm like, well, first of all, obviously jo- a joke. That's it. But so yeah, they don't just understand people- your humour. Well, it's a humour thing, but it's also just finding a way to like, or someone's like, you look like you're taking a shit in this photo because I was laughing so hysterically. But it's all men. I'm getting a lot of my sass from men, yeah. which I thought was interesting because I thought it would be more women, no. actually, to be honest. But no, So I... mine, mine is more, yeah, how I guess how I look, but also just that I'm not doing well. Other New Zealanders, they'll be like, you're no KJ Arpa. <laughs> like, well, like, I mean. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> The other thing. Yes, I'm not on Riverdale. Like, I, like only one New Zealander can be successful. One at a time. Like, what? That's it. I got Margot Robbie, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God You're not Margot Robbie. It's like, well, yeah, sure, but that doesn't mean I can't be Kim. Like, but that's that tall that, poppy syndrome. It's tall poppy, but that plays into me as well. Like, I don't know if there's. Well, here's a question for you. Do you? Will there be a point where you're satisfied with your success? Is there like a goal that you're like, once I reach that, like no, that's I wish good I enough had the goal. for me? I wish or? I knew what I was wor- working towards. You're just blindly going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll basically. try everything. Hey. As long as I'm doing, yeah, that's, sure. that's winning. But I don't know what the goal is. But this same, this same. Well, what would you be proud of then? If you got picked up by, I was going to say E, but I think that you, you, you that would make you quiver inside. Yes. Uh, if you were picked up by. For someone who's an entertainment correspondent, I'm not a fan of entertainment. No, you are. You're not a fan of gossip. Gossip. Hate gossip. I have one rule and I had to do the gossip segments on radio and I had a where they were like, we want you to weigh in and have more opinions on this. And I said, my rule is if I wouldn't say it to their face, I'm not saying it publicly. Fair. And I respect you for that. And I 100% agree. Uh, Is there a, a, yeah, a job or something though that you'd be like, oh man, that would be like, if you could be, because I had it on my list here to ask you, like, what late night show? If you could switch seats with, like... Uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Okay. I just don't know. I don't think in terms of your own, my... What about your own show? Sure. Okay. But I don't see in terms of this particular exact role on this exact network is where I want to go. And people do work like that and I envy it. I don't have dream jobs. I have dream scenarios. And my what, dream, scenario dream scenario is to work less get paid more and travel on someone else's dollar. Mm. And it took me a while to realise I'm doing that. So yeah. if I can just keep that, yeah. that would be great. So you don't think you could do carpool karaoke? You, you got you a do. song in mind? Did you? <laughs> I literally jumped. I think that's a good question. Do I mean, you have an answer to that? No, I mean, I, it, it's a tough gig, the late night gig, but it's also, it's big money. It's, uh, there's structure to it. I mean, it's five days a week, you know. It's definitely a coveted gig, but. I'd like to see the comments that the, um, who are some of the men that are doing it? What's well, James Corden yeah, is, is like very what, popular. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. J- I mean, Jimmy Fallon. I mean, there's a bunch. The crap that they get as opposed to what Samantha B and Ellen mm. get. Well, Ellen, I think, probably triples all their ratings would be my guess. I think she probably doesn't care now. Yeah. She's- I wonder if she's more successful because she wears suits. Well, she's also on during the day. So, yeah. like, housewives across America just live and die by Ellen. Wouldn't you die for Ellen, though? I mean, she's awesome. She's like the new Oprah, Ellen. Yeah. If she says it, you just kind of go along with it. I kind of love that. I kind of love that the big, the biggest women in media have been a black woman and a lesbian. That, to me, yeah. is sensational. It's interesting. Yeah, because not only are we the minority, well, we're not even a minority being women, but, like, we don't have yeah. as many seats at the table there. But that, to me, is sick. Also, Kim, you're funnier than Margot Robbie. Thank you. Maud, you're also funnier than Margot Robbie. Prettier? Oh, he's left the room. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us if Tell us we're prettier. 
Thank you, Kevin. Um, when did you first find that you were funny? Because oh my you, gosh. you're probably, and I, I put this down to a New Zealand Kiwi thing. We're very sarcastic. We're very, uh, is promiscuous the right word? We're a bit sassy, a bit flirty. I don't know how to flirt. That's not true. I don't know how to flirt. Oh, my well, ex-boyfriend who you know, we caught up recently and we were talking about it because I was like, oh, I went on one date and I just don't know if I can land the second one because I just don't know how to do it. And he goes, when you and I started like texting and when we, after we'd first kissed, he goes, I would stare at the phone for an hour wondering if what you'd said was... Flirty. Yeah. Well, but here's... Okay, well, then here's a lacking observation that you might have of yourself because you are yourself. Your confidence and your the way you engage is flirtatious. No, it's so, intimidating. No, not all the time. I don't think so. I don't think that's a fair com- comment on yourself. Okay. I think that you come across as, like, everyone's your best friend, like, straight away, like, that stuff... I think that you're putting a negative stance on. I think that's a great quality to have. Whilst, yes, okay, sure. I don't like some... a lot of people. But you don't show that. You... Mask, mask, mask. Well, sure. But but that allow. Are you trying to say that I'm friendly? I would never, ever use, if I had ten words to describe me, friendly is not that's... in the hundred. Really? I don't think I'm coming across as friendly. Raul, you just met. You shut Raul. your face. No, <laughs> Actually, I would just do whatever she says. <laughs> um... No, but you are so. Yes, I guess. Like, was there a point where you always kind of like the leader in the room? Like, you pull focus. That's a good way to you pull focus in a room. Got it. So didn't realize it. You're yes. Come on. No. You can't be as a self-aware human who just crowned yourself as one of the things you do best is be self-aware. Yes. You pull focus in a lovely way of you can control a room. You're like, guys, what are we doing? You can. I have leadership qualities. I do. You can be sassy. You can be jokey. Yes. I test people, which I'm working on, um, and I think you and I both tested each other when we passed with flying colours. We're like, cool, we're friends now. Yeah, we're yeah. friends for life now. Yeah, we had that moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the reason, it, the big telling signs about my humour, especially having an Australian-esque um, humour. Sarcasm to it. Oh, so in America when moving, I would joke when I was talking with people, I'd be like, oh, my neck's so sore. They're like, why? I'm like, oh, I just keep watching my jokes fly over your head. <laughs> and they're like, I don't get it. Do you need Do you need an Advil? I'm like, ow, here we go. Ow, ow. Um, so that was what was happening a lot. Uh, no one got my humour and my sarcasm and I think I rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because they didn't realise I was joking. Sure. Um, but another thing that Americans do often is they'll tell you if you're funny. But they won't laugh. So you'll say something funny and they go, you're really funny. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what to do with that information. So I've never been told that I'm funny more than since I moved to America. But did you, was there a moment in your childhood you're like, oh, that joke got a response? No, my brother brother was the funny one. Really? My brother was the favourite. Yeah. I was definitely in his shadow. What about in school groups or stuff where you were independent? I was the class clown. There you go. Um, I was the kind of person where I had such a strict private girls' school um, in high school where I got a Saturday detention for wearing the wrong shade of green ribbon in my hair. Mm. I found every loophole. Uh-huh, watch out. I, got, I nearly got a detention for the way that I walked. How were you walking? I was literally walking to maths class early to get help with homework, but apparently I wasn't lifting my feet up enough. Oh, a and dragger. I got, and I got cornered by this teacher. Look at you trying to be all cool. Oh. Look at you being cool. And I was like, who am I trying to impress, miss? <laughs> Look around. And did that sass get you... Oh, no, she kept an eye on me, that's for sure. Oh, got it. Um, But so I found every single loophole um, in the rule system to get around it. So I would uh, practice my cursive handwriting and I would write notes for everyone and myself to get out. So if I was having a bad day, I would take joy in knowing that when I put in the submission from my mother that I had an orthodontist appointment tomorrow afternoon, I would successfully wag class. What do you call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call wag? Uh, Drop it like... um, You skip skip school. school. You just don't go... Ditch. Ditch. Yeah, yeah. So I would take joy knowing that I was like through the loopholes ditching tomorrow afternoon and that would give me life. So I'd submit the note. The next day it would be stamped for approval and I'd show the note and I would leave school early. Great. Because of this orthodontist appointment. But I was just like, fuck this. Like Maud's teeth are very straight for someone who's always at the orthodontist. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why they're straight. I'm always there. And I would uh, fake diarrhea a lot. That's an interesting one because I suppose that's a good one. You go, well, we can't argue with that. Mm. A lot of very, very heavy 
flows, yes, especially for my male teachers, Um, women's teachers, oh, that dairy at lunch and I would go to the bathroom and then sit in the library and write all my friends' notes and stuff like that and then 45 minutes later this frantic girl's like, I've been looking for you everywhere, they're worried about you, you have to come back to class and I was like, got it and I'd come back in and be like, oh, oh no, it wasn't good. It's (laughs) not good. Tender tummy, the old tender tummy. Touch and go for a second there and everyone's like, oh, that is so disgusting and I'm like, not trying to impress you, am I? Um. I feel like there are 9,000 million other things, but perhaps you'll have to come back. Um, if we had license to music, what would your theme song be? Which we don't. We don't have that kind of budget mm. here. But just so people at home can think. <laughs> uh, the song that I'm really digging at the moment is by Two Door Cinema Club. I think, I think it's called Bad Decisions. Mm. I like that one. You come across as someone who's very comfortable sexually and a bit promiscuous and quite fun in the bedroom. Someone I haven't obviously been intimate with, yeah. but you sound like that's something really fun. And I admire that you're like pretty open about only to my friends. Stuff. I talk to so many of my friends about it, and I love normalizing it. And I think a big thing for me with my mum as a ther- uh, psychologist was I got the first sex talk about how babies were made when I was seven. Wow. I got my first sexual talk when I got my period at 13. Mm-hmm. And I got it every few weeks after that from then on. Uh, my mum normalized sex so much that. Um, you got your period every couple of weeks or you got to talk every few weeks? F- from when I – because okay. you're, you're sexually active. Like your, your body is now sexually active. Mm-hmm. You are able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your body is saying that you can hold a child. Mm-hmm. So we need to have serious chats about That's great. sex. That's um, What she – her intention was – um, was to normalise it, to remove the stigma, to have a very, very open door of communication about sex. Yeah. Um, no topic was taboo. She would go probably there. If we are watching a show and it got a bit weird and I would look away and she's like, this is really normal. This is a really special part of a relationship. Wow. Like sex is great. Sex is fun. Um, and she was like, lot. My family can be more different, so this is really exciting to hear My this. poor dad, who, again, has never uttered a single <laughs> word about it, <clears throat> clearing his throat. We just had sex oh, last night. I don't need a drink yet. Oh, God, mm-hmm. um, my mum would say that. I was like, oh, I've got to get off the phone, mum. It's Valentine's Day. She's like, oh, sex for me tonight. Oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. My parents are very much still together. Um, That's but awesome. She was realising that because she would give my brother the sex talk and we were just like, oh, God. Then she started giving our friends the sex talk because okay. she realised No one that else's parents are talking about it. All of my sexually active friends, when I wasn't, they had no clue about anything. Yeah. They would ask, my brother's friends would ask mum about particular positions to make their girl like it more. Um, oh, Mrs. G, want to do my chick in the shower? How do you think I should do that? Well, first of all, wow. um, you cannot really uh, wear protection like a condom in the shower. So don't recommend doing that. Fool around in the shower, take it to the bedroom, be smart about it. Mm. Oh, great. Uh, and because she worked for the sexual health clinic, she had so many condoms and lube sachets that she was giving it out like candy. That's awesome. Um, but she, and she was just like, I, there's two options. I can either give all of your sexually active friends condoms and they have safe sex or I don't and they don't use condoms and we have problems here and this is how it happens. She was saying that the majority, now that there's a, such an introduction of porn and the accessibility of it on the internet, that 14-year-olds are using porn as tutorials. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is very, very too much, and I apologise, but something that has just sat with me so poorly was that there are 14-year-olds being submitted into the emergency ward with, like, strained, ripped and ruptured um, mm-hmm. organs and mm-hmm. anuses because guys think that they should have forcible anal sex and mm-hmm. women think that they should take it. Mm-hmm. And so no one's communicating in any yeah, of this. Yeah. Do you want this? Is this what they're like? This is what I should do, and this is how I should feel. Yeah. Um. And it's removed all intimacy from the picture. Interesting. So mum's trying to just normalize sex, and for me, she was just like, make sure it's with someone that you know you really care strongly about. Mm. Um. But because she normalized it so much and was like, just have it, just have it. The reverse thing happened where I was like, oh, my God, my mum wants me to have sex. I can't do it. No way. She's like, your father and I are going away this weekend. There's a bunch of condoms and lube in the side drawer. Invite invite that She's guy cool over. <laughs> invite him over and just have fun because sex is really wonderful. Just be safe. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I would call up my best friend and be like, I can't even stay in the house tonight. <laughs> 
I have to. So she kind of almost encouraged celibacy on you in a way it was of encouraging. A, it was which is, beautiful which is, reverse psychology. But that's amazing because I think a lot of people, especially because this is something I feel like New Zealanders talk about and Australians talk about sex a lot more. I feel like American women and my friends no, 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 who because are here, of religion and no. Catholicism and yeah. Christianity. Sex yeah. is such a no-no for so many people. I have friends that were virgins until their thirties because yeah. it was just so. It was a dirty thing to do. Yeah, and so that's why I will talk to a lot of my friends about it and normalizing it. Yeah. You know, if we want to talk about positions or you know what to do to spice. So I'm up. inherently very uncomfortable with that conversation. Still having it publicly or with a friend. Anything. Okay, so I have very two completely. Yeah. There's so much of myself. No, that's I wish polarizing. I. I wish I wasn't. I think it's just because I was in my head growing up that it was. Uh, I didn't even work or engage with boys. I mean, I was at an all-girls school. I danced in a cheerleading, no boys in there. It wasn't until I started working on Shorten Street at 16 that I had my first interactions with boys. I didn't have brothers, didn't have cousins. So it was like I feel like I was very late at even understanding anything. Well, your mum didn't buy you nine Kama Sutra books when you were a virgin. No, my mother wouldn't even do that now. Uh, So, yeah, it was. I even had a pocket-sized one just in case I wanted to flip the page My mother found out that I wasn't a virgin when I was in hospital and I was 21 years old. My mum found out the moment I walked through the front door. <laughs> it was like 1.30 in the morning and I powered on home and she's like, well, do you have any idea what to-? You had sex. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I would be and I was like, yes, so- I did. That's amazing. See, I think that's great. See, I, I was in hospital for something different. I had um, swollen lymph nodes and they were like, we have to ask you something. We have to wait till your mother's here. I guess they thought I was under 18. And my mother walked. My mother and my sister walked in the room. The doctor goes, "Now that your mother is here, I need to ask if you're sexually active." My mother said no, and I said yes at, at the, the same, same time. time. And then I wanted to be anywhere else but in that room because not only had I lied to her because she had asked me previously, she was embarrassed that she had said that, and there was a doctor there, and all of us just wanted to all be somewhere different. See, and I felt is, like this is what so I want to destroy. Which I, but I agree. Yeah, that was. And that's that's so standard. No, I know. So that's why I'm like, oh, it's so no one it's talks about it. No, it's because a secret I didn't. Thing. But also, yeah, I think I just well, my journey was a little bit different because I was on the telly and my character was very sexualized before I identified with that. So I was perceived by New Zealand as kind of this Super like promiscuous. slushy promiscuous character that I didn't identify with. So. I was introduced to the nation as this kind of naughty uh, So kid. you rebelled against that. And I hated that that's how people looked at me. So I went like the opposite direction. I was like, I'm going to write a self-help book, be like so clean. Because that's how I identified, but no one knew that. So I really tried to so flip it. Down. My first job in television was Nickelodeon. So for three and a half years, I was Squeaky clean. Ah, the so worst word I ever said. Lady was in the streets and a poo-poo. freak in the sheets or something. And yeah. it was a thing where it's yeah. like I kind of liked, and it was exciting to, yeah. you know, I was in a relationship for the majority of that, um, the the show. But yeah, for me, where it was just like, oh my god, I yeah, yeah, I was just like, I just want to be not this cookie cutter kind yeah, of sure. like. I'm edgy. Look at me. I'm edgy. <laughs> I got my hair cut. Whoa. Whoa. I have to get permission from the channel, but look at it now. <laughs> she took two inches off. Did she take two inches <laughs> off? <laughs> um, so, all right. I love you dearly. We could talk for hours and we will. I'm sure hopefully you'll come back if we get to do this again. Um, is there anything you wanted to add it or add or talk about or plug? Have you got anything going on? And where can people find you? Oh, I'm all over. I have a YouTube channel called Geek Bomb, um, and I have a Patreon because my company is fan funded, mm-hmm. but I get to pay my contributors fair wages, and we do amazing things. And it's like fully, it's, it's a not even a startup anymore because it's been going for seven years. Um, but that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The flip side of it is that I'm doing all of this like celebrity stuff which I get I guess you can find on Geek Bomb. Mm-hmm. Um the the takeaways I think that um challenge perspectives. So for you you have one perspective that is drilling into your ear that I'm working on changing, which is why I'm So everything that you hear be like well in. what what about someone looking in mm-hmm. and seeing and seeing in because you've got your view but what about the other one? So for me a lot of le- lesson learning has been this is what I think on it but what about another person's take? Asking for help. What if someone wants to help me? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of stuff. Um, compassion is the number one thing. Apply compassion all over. If someone is being vulnerable to you and sharing, don't judge. Be compassionate. 
it's really hard actually a lot of the time, um, especially when someone's telling you, I am actually a very different person to who you think I am. No judgment, compassion. And if you have children, please talk to them about sex. Mm. Please make it normal, but please make it super safe and not dirty, but um, something that everyone can enjoy if there is respect involved. Please teach your teenage sons to respect women and not to chase sex as a goal because that fucked me up. Um, and lastly, we're going to compliment each other because I think you hate it and I'll I need it. I'll give you three. It. Okay, all right, all right, I'll take them. I think that you're one of the funniest women I've ever met in my life. Yes. I think that you are like me in the sense that we have a very hard shell but a very gooey centre and I love that about you. Um, and I think that I actually want you to see you how I see you. And I think that your life would be so different if you saw you how I saw you. Oh, yeah. made me cry. That's really kind yeah, of you. because I think that you're you. the fucking shit, man. Oh, thank you. Well, to reciprocate that, you are the person that I have the most fun with consistently. We ran 19 blocks in New York in the pouring rain <laughs> together. That was Literally awful. the pouring rain. And there's no one else I would rather do that with. You're always fun. You listen to everyone who is talking to you without waiting to respond, and that is so rare. Does that make sense? It does. I didn't think I did that, so to hear that is fantastic. Yep. You are the most deserving of every success that you have because you're one of the hardest-working people, and I'm really inspired by you, so thank you. We're going to go have a cry in the corner. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pretty Depressed. A huge thanks to our executive producer, Kevin Connolly, and our amazing crew, Raul, Kevin, and Narod. And, of course, our sponsor, Best Fiends. Make sure you subscribe and give us a good rating so we can keep bringing you more epic chats in the future. And if you're on the gram, give us a follow at Pretty Depressed Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.